Hi, and welcome to the ATD NYC Unlocked podcast, brought to you by the ATD New York City chapter, where we're all about helping you become a top-notch talent and development practitioner. Join us each week for exciting interviews with industry leaders, candid discussions on the latest L&D trends, and insider tips and tricks to help you succeed in this profession. Each episode of this podcast is an exploration of what it means to be a well-rounded, well-informed professional committed to unlocking the potential of millions of people in the workforce. So tune in, turn up the volume, and get ready to unlock your potential with the ATD NYC Unlocked podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Marina Field and Samantha Peller. Welcome to our latest episode. So, Samantha, um, you know, I've heard a lot about people analytics, you know, I but I don't feel like I've ever used it to its fullest uh, capacity in the job that I have. What about you? Yeah, I'm here definitely today to learn a lot because I know very, very little. So I'm very excited about our guests that we're having coming up to learn more about this topic. Yes, it's perfect. But before we get to our guest, it is time for our trivia question. So our question for today is, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, how many people are employed as training and development managers in the United States? So stay tuned to the end of the episode in order to hear the answer. But, you know, take a guess. See what you think. All right. So. Now, I'd like to go ahead and uh, give you some information about our latest guest. Dr. Sai Islam is a co-founder and vice president of consulting with Talent Metrics, as well as an associate professor at Farmingdale State College. Dr. Islam has over 15 years of experience providing data analytic training and organizational development support to a variety of organizations. Through Talent Metrics, he's consulted with companies like IBM and teams like the Florida Panthers. He's been a volunteer with ATD on Long Island and in New York City for almost 10 years. His consulting work was recognized by the Society for Industrial Organizational Psychology Scientist Practitioner Presidential Recognition Award. That's a lot of words, <laughs> but a great honor. Uh, and this was for his focus on science-driven practices in training and talent development. His book, Leaders Assemble, Leadership Lessons from the Marvel Cinematic Universe is available now. Welcome to the show, Dr. Islam. How are you? I, I'm doing I'm doing fine. You can just call me Sai. That's what, it, you know, everybody can, you know, can call me. Do, doctor makes it sound so very formal. And I always worry that people expect me to prescribe something to them at the end of a conversation. Like, I don't, I'm not ready for that level of pressure. Okay, noted. We will call you Sai. So, so, Samantha, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, for sure. So, Sai, first question for you is, what exactly is people analytics? Because like I said before, mm -hmm. I am just so unfamiliar with this topic, but very curious indeed to learn. Um, and along with that, once you answer the question of what exactly is people analytics, mm -hmm. if you can share with us an experience that changed the way you think about our field when applying people analytics. Sure. Uh, so people analytics, the, the easiest way to think about it is taking data and applying it to people problems. So if you think about, uh, and I'll, I'll use a sports analogy to describe this, because I think 
um, the world of sports is actually pretty illustrative of how data gets used and some of the arguments that you actually see in the world of in the world of corporate uh, America now about the use of data. So it used to be in in the world of sports, and if you've read the book Moneyball, you'll you'll know exactly where where I'm cribbing this example from. But it used to be that you could say that oh, this guy looks like a good player. And, you know, you might say that this, this individual, you know, is, um, you know, very, it looks really strong, very fit. They seem to have this look that they're a good player and they would make, you know, they'll make these evaluations this way. And if, if this sounds kind of familiar to you, you might be in different areas of training and development, like leadership development, where sometimes in small to medium-sized organizations that we sometimes consult with or really big, large faces companies, you have people say things like that person looks like a leader. They seem like they have good leadership capabilities. And it, it used to be that organizations could do that. Sports teams could do that. And they could kind of get away with it a little bit because they weren't really measuring performance and they weren't making uh, good use of data to analyze how effectively they were making decisions. But now we have the ability to assign values to a lot of different skills and capabilities that people have. And the goal of people analytics is to connect that both to you know, in some cases, individual growth and individual learning, but then also to related to other uh, metrics that your organization might care about. It could be something like employee turnover. It could be something like revenue. It might be, you know, customer satisfaction. So now we can take all of that people data that we have, and we can try to connect that to the data that organizations tend to care about, which is, you know, business outcomes, ROI, um, you know, could be, you know, other things like, you know, we mentioned turnover because that's a, that's a cost issue. So that's basically what people analytics is at its, at its most basic level is like, we're going to take data and we're going to create a story. We're going to connect what we know about people in the organization to other relevant, uh, metrics and data within the context of this larger organization. And then your second part of your question was about, uh, asking me about an experience that changed the way that we think about our field and applying people analytics. Well, uh, one uh, project that I worked on uh, was about leader development in, uh, in an organization where we were asked to evaluate, you know, how a leadership development program that had been implemented in a variety of different countries for this organization, um, you know, we, we had been asked to evaluate how well leaders uh, were kind of rewarding employees. And so, the company had like a, a platform they were using and they were actually measuring, um, you know, benefits and rewards that leaders were providing. And that really changed my, my view on a lot of things in terms of how valuable this could be for trainers and talent development professionals, because that's really behavioral, right? If we look back at, at Kirkpatrick's four uh, levels of training evaluation, we know we look at reactions, which is like satisfaction. Did these, did these learners enjoy the program, right? And usually we stop there. But now with a combination of technology, or in some cases, if you're really creative about how you're measuring things, you can do, these, you can do some of this stuff without, without the tech, but the tech really helps us. You can actually measure behaviors within uh, your organization. You can see exactly what choices your employees are making after a training. So, for example, you know, in most organizations, we have safety training, 
you can measure exactly how safe they are, right? You you keep records of those things. For leadership, you don't always do that. But now, if you are looking at how a manager utilizes a particular platform, right? And they say, well, I'm going to provide a reward at, at this level, X, Y, or Z level. Or you could even look at the sentiment of, you know, the language that somebody's using uh, in their communications with their employees. How positive is their sentiment? How negative? How much critical language are they using? You know, is, is the you know language actually clear? Those are all ways in which you can use uh, people analytics to really evaluate training and development. So you can take, you know, things where you're like, yeah, I, I think they learned this. You can turn that into, no, now I can show you using data and using uh, measurement to really figure out like, oh yeah, this is actually happening in the workplace. And now we have the clear evidence uh, to kind of show that and to indicate that. So you've given us a really great example that ties to leadership development. What are some other ways that you know, people within our field should be thinking about people analytics. Like why should people really care about care about it and, and want to learn more about it? Well, you know, it, it it's funny. If you talk to uh, you know, vendors, the sometimes the pitch is that lots of organizations are using this and you want to stay ahead. Uh my, my pitch is is a little simpler than that. And you know, there's a difference between uh so I'll, I'll use a little health a health example. Like Maybe you're feeling kind of tired and run down, right? Maybe you took a 50-mile uh, trek to Montreal that you didn't really prepare for, and you're like, oh, I'm really, really tired after this. Um, and, you know, if you if you just said, like, oh, I just, I feel tired, and you went to the doctor, and the doctor just looked at you and then said, okay, well, I think you just sleep it off. I think it'll be fine. You would look at the doctor and say, what, aren't you going to run some tests on me? Aren't you going to give me some numbers? to help me understand what's actually happening. But if you look at what happens in a lot of organizations, organizational decisions based around, um, you know, uh, human performance are a lot of times just, there's vibes. There's like feelings that people have. They're like, well, I, I think this is what we should do. Uh, and you see that actually in a variety of different ways. So if you've done like instructional design work and, you know, having been in those rooms with, with, uh, you know, training managers or CHROs or CLOs, they're like, well, yeah, we spent a lot of money on this, this software. We need, we need you to do the training in this software without really thinking about, well, is this software the best approach or is this the best thing? It, it's a question sometimes of sunk costs. And so I think caring about people analytics says that you care about what the outcomes are, right? What is it that's really uh, the most important for your organization and are you willing to measure those things? Uh, so some of the reasons that people don't um, end up or don't want to use people analytics is partially because they're a little unsure of it. They're like, I'm, I don't even know what this is. I didn't get into learning and development to do all this math. You don't really have to do a lot of math to- You're um, reading my mind. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you had the look like, I don't want to do any math. So I look yeah. like you're going to make me do long division. I don't want to do that, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you, we are not numbers people. Yeah, me. And, and, and that's okay. Like the, the goal is for you to be able to receive something from an external, from an internal or an external, uh, you know, person who understands how those numbers get crunched and then they can present it to you and then you can make a decision using those numbers, right? So in the same way that you, you might, uh, you know, check your blood pressure 
you don't know where those numbers came from, what, you know, systolic, diastolic, what that actually means, but you know enough to say like, this is a good number. This is not a great number. And you can make choices about what you're going to do appropriately. Right. So you don't, nobody here is a medical doctor, but you can, you know, there's all sorts of things that you do on a consistent basis that uh, around which you make choices. So for example, if you're, you know, if you count your steps, right, if you're using, you know, a uh, fitness app or Fitbit or something, like you're not, you're not really concerned, you didn't have to build the Fitbit, but you are using the information from the Fitbit to say, well, okay, uh, my health is at X, Y, or Z level. And then if you need something deeper, you know that you can go to a medical professional to kind of figure that out. It's the same, same thing with people analytics, where you can say, okay, I'm getting these indications you know, we're having these conversations in our organization about where things are going. This is what we're hearing from some some segments of the organization. Is performance really down? Well, what's revenue look like? What do sales look like? What is the, you know, we did an engagement measure. What's the engagement within this uh, particular segment of the organization, right? Those are the things that these are numbers that you can use and work with on a consistent basis. And for learning and development pros, you know, we do this pretty often, right? Uh, if we want to know about how people are learning, we look at quiz scores. Uh, we want to know whether people are actually utilizing the training programs. We might look at attendance or if it's e-learning utilization scores. You know, um, if you want to know whether your training is actually helping people or if they keep having to repeat it, you might say, well, why are the, you know, why is there such a high repeat rate? Why are people not passing the quiz? what is happening here, right? So we're assessing that you're already using this for your e-learning software and in a variety of different parts of your organization. So now the idea is to kind of get comfortable with those numbers and understand what those numbers mean and then help, you know, uh, kind of develop a sense of what those numbers are and then kind of make sense of all of that so that you can make better decisions. Okay, so I, I think you've pretty much convinced me. People analytics is important. What about you, Samantha? Yes, definitely. And it's definitely a really good segue then into our next question, because given all of this data that you're then collecting as someone who works in people analytics, what do you do then with all that data to communicate to the organization? Yeah, where do you even start? So the, fir the first thing to, to remember, so I, I wear a couple of different hats, you know, I work as a scientist and I'm also out in the field working with organizations. And so I think those hats are really uh, instructive in helping us to understand what's valuable and what isn't in different contexts. So as a scientist, I provide quite a bit more detail about certain types of statistics and certain types of um, numbers that within an organization, they probably would not care about. So for example, in statistics and in research, we care about something called a p-value, which is the probability or the likelihood that your results are caused by random chance, which is a big deal in science because you wanna be able to say that your results are like, they're, these are real, this is not just some random thing that happened. In, in an organization, they, they don't care so much about that. They're just like, well, tell us what did happen, right? Because they're, they're not concerned about making a statement beyond what happened within the time frame that you were assessing, right? You're kind of just explaining to them, to the, to the organization, hey, here's what's going on. And so the important things there are whatever the focus is of the organization. So some of that might be safety numbers, right? Like how much safer is my organization? What is the level of psycholo perceived psychological safety within my organization? 
And then does that relate to something that the organization cares about, like turnover or uh, employee satisfaction, or in some cases, referrals? You know, are, are employees happy enough that they're saying like, oh, come work here. We like it here. Come, come join us. You know, sometimes that might also be participation rate, right? Like, okay, uh, you know, are, are people taking advantage of the learning programs that we're offering? So the thing that we try to do whenever we communicate with data is we try to find out what's most relevant and we present that to our stakeholders. That doesn't mean that we don't include in our reports, we cover pretty much all the data that is needed or that may come up. So there's a, a large appendix usually in our reports with lots of tables and charts that the organization may might be interested in, but it's not what their, their real focus is. But the, the main piece of it is usually a connection between what they're interested in and the data that we've, that we've used to kind of create and tell a story. So the goal is to kind of illustrate to the organization, what is the story of this data? So for example, you implemented a leadership development training. The leadership development training was meant to uh, engage employees you know, more effectively or to help the leaders delegate tasks more effectively did the learn did the did the subordinates think that the leader actually delegated the task more effectively if you look in the project management software do you see them delegating the tasks more effectively uh, so those are the things that we're going to talk about we'll say okay based on our analysis of this data we can then say that yes these these people that went to the training they learned how to use the software better. They learned how to delegate more effectively. And that's the outcome that we're seeing. Oh, I was going to say, would you say a, a way of summarizing all of this too is it's kind of telling a story with numbers is people analytics and communicating sure. that story through your numbers. Absolutely. So data storytelling is a big part of people analytics and communicating what we're able to find kind of effectively and in a concise way. And so that is how you can kind of both get buy-in from stakeholders and then also illustrate what the next step should be in your people analytics journey, right? So just like, you know, stories stories don't really end, you know, the, the journey with people analytics also doesn't end because once you're done with one project and you've, you know, assessed a particular program or looked at how an organization, your organization's functioning with that program, then you can start to do the same thing to other, you know, learning programs or other people programs that you have within your organization. So we've been talking a lot about data. Mm. And I remember my first job out of college, I was responsible for managing my company's applicant tracking system. Mm. And I used to get yelled at because the data didn't show what the leadership wanted, primarily because there was junk data in the system. Mm. So if there's going to be heavy reliance on people analytics and in, in order to show the outcomes or, you know, in mm. order to make that linkage with outcomes, how do you guard against junk data? So this, this is a big, uh, this is a big issue. Uh, and so Marina, when you said that your, the ATS didn't give you the data that you wanted, that uh, kind of made me laugh because uh, that, that happens a lot. So one thing to remember is that there's a lot of promises that are made about people analytics, especially when we're talking about software platforms versus what they, what, what you can actually do. Part of the reason that at Talent Metrics we've been able to kind of work with small to medium-sized businesses is because the software doesn't always give you exactly what you want, right? So the, the applicant tracking software, all it does is track applicants. It can't tell you 
why there's such a big lag time between uh, application completed and follow-up phone call, right? Like, why is there seven days, 10 days, 21 days, however many days? And so one of the things that has to happen at the beginning of any people analytics project, and one thing that we've, we've learned over time is you have to set pretty clear expectations with leadership about what, what the you know, people analytics project can possibly give you. And especially if you're pulling data from a variety of different you know, kind of uh, databases, whether that's an ATS, whether that's an HRIS, whether that's financial software, uh, you're limited to what the software can tell you unless you're planning on going out and collecting new data. And sometimes when you pull the data from a piece of software, it doesn't give it to you in, in what we would consider a usable form. Sometimes the software gives you like some, some reports, it gives you some nice reporting, but it may not be custom built to what your organization uh, might want to do. So for example, since we're talking about applicant tracking software, uh, we worked on a project with the healthcare system looking at uh, hiring for, uh, for nurses and kind of looking at whether or not different messaging actually worked for attracting nurses. So if, was it more of a salary thing? Was it more of a culture or what was a culture of care situation? And so we had recruiters randomly assigned to send out one of these different messages. And what we found was that the messages didn't matter as much as the follow-up time. And that's not something that the ATS was necessarily going to pick up on. Uh, and that's because the ATS only does what the ATS does, right? The software only does the one thing that it's supposed to do. It's not really built to be strategic or think more globally about what your people or talent strategy happens to be. Uh, I know I, I know people are like really excited about chat uh, GPT, but it's, that, that's not producing your talent strategy just yet. And so when you're talking to stakeholders, you've got to set those those expectations very early and kind of say like, you know, we'll see what's in the in the in the software already. And I'll try to clean up this data as best I can. But if we need to, we might have to collect more data or I might need to look at other data sources. And that's that's at the beginning of any, uh, I would say, almost any people analytics project. Awesome. So you actually did touch upon this very briefly, but I'm just going to bring it up because we're in this world now of AI. And I'm very curious to know how you think AI is going to impact people analytics. So it it's hard to say where I'll say that I, I think it's it's having a big impact right now because people are kind of uh, using it and getting information and I'm I'm really interested to see how it impacts like applications primarily in in the hiring and selection process because I think people will start using it as a way to get projects started. So if you wanted to like write a cover letter and you decided to use ChatGPT4 to do it, maybe you would try to do that. I've heard from different contexts and different organizations, not necessarily in talent development, but in other areas of people using it to get started on projects or, you know, and then just editing or changing things a little bit as a way to kind of move things forward. I can see automation happening in... um in a couple of different ways. And I, I tend to think of it more as automation than, than, than real AI. 
I'm a huge nerd, as as we mentioned earlier. I like Marvel Cinematic Universe. To me, like AI is making like real intelligence is like making real choices and things like that. Right now, I think we're more of an automation phase, maybe really highly advanced automation. And I think eventually we're going to get to a point where some of the analyses that we're going to be running will just kind of feed data into in AI software, the, the software will detect what can be done with the data and then it'll run it for you. Or it might reconfigure things for you uh, even before you collect the data to say, hey, here's the things I can do if you give me the following data and I can I can draw this connection. Uh, I will say the biggest thing that's happened with AI, specifically chat GPT, that I've, I just read a paper on is uh, the sentiment analysis piece the qualitative piece is is very good. A lot of my research is about qualitative data, and basically qualitative data. In case anybody is wondering, it's it's words versus numbers. So it's essentially you know, Chat GPT four is able to assess how people feel and and what emotions they're able to communicate in their writing, and that's a huge deal because in a, in a in a lot of previous uh, software that was used to assess that. Computers are not very good at assessing that, right? So, for example, when we say bad, we you know that's something negative. When Michael Jackson says bad, he means oh that's good, right? And all of a sudden, you know, computers are like wait a minute, what what are you even talking about? So now this software is starting to get to that point where it's able to recognize some of those differences and able to pick up on on some of the language nuances at least in English. Uh, I don't think it's there quite yet, but I, I think that'll be one of the big areas where it has an impact in figuring out how people are feeling based on what they write. So does that mean, like to take it back to talent development in our field that right now it's more about potential automation as opposed to, and we'll wait and see what happens in the future? Sure, yeah. I mean, um, I can totally see an instructional designer you know, who maybe doesn't know a lot about a particular job, maybe they they ask ChatGPT to like produce a scenario. Hey, I need to develop a sales scenario for a car dealership. Tell me, you know, create some car dealership sales scenarios, right? I've never sold anything. I don't know what to do. You know, generate some of those for me. I can I can absolutely see that as a way for talent development professionals to use it. I think also going back to what I was saying earlier, we get a lot of feedback from learners. Uh, I can totally see, you know, a, uh, you know, an instructional designer or trainer saying, well, or can you tell me whether or not people like this program based on what they wrote? Does it match up with, you know, the rating that they gave? Gotcha. I can't, I can't wait to start. I've been playing around with it a little bit, but Uh I can't wait to do more. All right. So you've gotten me to care about people analytics. You've told me how to like, you know, understand it, like that I don't need to do math, but like what types of metrics should I be like looking at when it comes to people? Like, you know, now that I care about it, I'm all all hyped. What, what, like, what are the metrics that I should be looking at? So it's hard to, you know, I'll give, I'll give a very like IO psychology answer, but it depends. What matters changes depending on your organization and different organizations care about different things, you know, like a nonprofit, they might have a training and development function, but what they care about is really different from Fortune 500 company. And even in Fortune 500 companies, what they care about varies quite a bit. And it's really based around what your stakeholders want. 
What is it that they care about? What is it that they want you to do? And what is what is the thing that's going to, in some respects, help you to keep being able to do the work that you are doing, keep doing the good work that you're doing? And then also, what is it that's going to help you improve? What is it that you are concerned about or what are you what are you thinking about? So, for example, if you're implementing a new like uh, or you're using new e-learning software and you're worried about things like video quality, right? Or if you're worried about sound quality, you might look at what the learners are telling you about that quality and then saying, well, maybe that's related to how they're doing on the quiz or behavior change that we're seeing in the workplace. And so those are questions that you kind of have to work with your your team on to say like, okay, what are the relevant questions that we want to answer? How do, what do we want to assess and, you know, figure out in terms of being able to say to our stakeholders, what, this is what we were able to do. This is what the employees are saying. The other thing to remember is that, I don't know if everybody else feels this way, but uh, as somebody who who does training and development and and designs programs, I always tinker, right? I always think about what's working, what's not. And the data really helps me to kind of figure out, well, you know, this is, I think this is working. I think this activity is working. Or I think this, you know, particular exercise or this style is, is working. And sometimes, you know, if you can get some data on that, participation rate, likelihood of utilization, even even asking people a couple of months after they've completed your course, like, what do you remember about it? You know, what is it that you recall? Or seeing, you know, uh, reports from their peers or subordinates or supervisors about here's what they learned in the training. And I've seen them actually say hello to customers more often or something like that. That helps me to kind of figure out what's working within my training program. Because sometimes you're as trainers, we want we want feedback. We want to know that this activity is working the way that we expect. So we want to find new ways of getting that. And, and people analytics can help us to do that. And, and that's the thing. In the world of training and development, we're always looking for that seat at the table. This has been something I've been hearing about since I started in this field. And this is one way to kind of get that seat at the table is to say like, okay, here's some numbers. Not the finance and the marketing guy isn't the only person with the numbers. I also have numbers. Please look at them. That's all really great. So as we start to wind things down in our conversation, our listeners probably want to know some ways that they can just immediately start applying some of the techniques that you mentioned here today to the work that they do. So what are some things that you can offer that they can just hit the ground running after listening to this conversation? So some things that they that they can do right now. Um, so if they, if you really want to get involved in in doing people analytics, I'm going to take it back to real basics. Um, and I want to talk about something that nobody nobody's all that excited about talking about, but I think this is very helpful. Um, and if you're working in talent development, learning and development, I think it's a really good idea to write out instructional objectives that actually have like behaviorally based outcomes with with real standards that you expect people to engage in. Um, I'm a huge dork who likes writing instructional objectives that actually have like numbers attached so that I know what the expectations are for my learners. So whatever they happen to be, I want to know what is the behavior change that I expect. And if you can start to do that, 
And the next step would be, how do we track that? And then after that, it would be, well, do I have the tools that are here within the organization? Do I have that already to track that stuff easily? And then can I make a story based on the stuff that I have? And if the answer to any of those things is, is no, I don't have that, then sometimes what will happen is you'll either have to you know, talk to an external consultant or a vendor or somebody within your organization to start that process. To say, well, okay, here's what I expect people to learn. Here's what I expect to measure uh, in order to assess whether or not they've learned that. And then how do I connect that, whatever they've learned, to some sort of relevant outcome within the organization? Uh, and so that's that's ultimately what we want to do. And when it comes to people analytics, it's not just this idea that I'm reporting, here's a test score that they got, you know, great. That, that's good, but can we relate it to something else? Can we relate it to what people are doing in the job, what people are doing uh, in, in the real world of work? So a little birdie also told me that uh, you're involved with a people analytics special interest group. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So in my current volunteering capacity with ATD New York City, with People Analytics uh, Special Interest Group, uh, there is, I think we're, our chapter, I think ATD New York City was the first chapter to have a People Analytics SIG. And so we've got a lot of People Analytics pros in the New York City area. We usually have like discussion groups uh, where we talk about different challenges that people face in the world of People Analytics, specifically around learning analytics and how to kind of develop stories and what some best practices are in that area of the field. And if anybody wants to volunteer uh, and help out with people analytics sake, I'm happy to take all the help that we can get. And you should just in general volunteer for ATD New York City because it's lots of fun. Thanks for the plug. I think Samantha and I can both co-sign that ATD New York City is lots of fun. There's chocolate and wine and all kinds of cool (laughs) stuff involved. Yes. And then moment, we're going to ask you how people can get in touch with you. So definitely, if you're listening and want to work alongside Sai on that people analytics SIG, definitely get in touch. So as we wrap things up here, we just want to know what tips and tricks and takeaways, any resources that you can give to our listeners to walk away with about people analytics. So I think one of the things, the big takeaways, so I talked about a lot of stuff today. And so sometimes people feel really overwhelmed by the number of things that that I might have talked about. And my my goal is to tell people to start small, start with something really small that is related to numbers in some way, shape, or form. That could be a, you know, a post-training survey. Like sometimes that's where everybody gets started and they say, well, I'm going to do the survey and then track that over time. See what people are saying over time. Are you getting the same results? Are you getting different kinds of feedback? And then start to make adjustments according to that. And then secondly, I might say really understand the business. Really understand your organization's business. This is something uh, human resources professionals talk a lot about, but I think talent development professionals would also benefit from this. So you might be a leadership development expert, but Remember, you're developing leaders to lead a particular organization. So being informed about what your organization does, that gives you deeper expertise about what metrics really matter to that organization, what outcomes really matter, and then that gives you a deeper sense of what the work is going to look like. And the more you understand that, the better your 
child development work is going to be, and the more likely it is that you're going to be able to say, okay, this is the these are the numbers that we really need. These are the things that this organization really cares about, and this is what we should do. This is how we should approach this uh, particular challenge. Well, I've definitely learned a lot today. And so we've gotten to our final question, which is how can people get in touch with you if they want to follow up? Uh, so you can always email me at sci uh, at talentmetrics.io. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, uh, find me there. And then uh, I'm also on Twitter. So at IO Islam. So you can find me there if you'd like. But probably LinkedIn is the most popular way to get in touch with me. Thank you so much. So again, I learned a lot, Smith. And what would you say is one of your takeaways from today? Oh my gosh, this was amazing. I walked into this conversation not really knowing anything about people analytics. And now I am definitely not so scared. Like even just the survey, I'm already doing that anyway. And if that's just the entry point and takes away the barrier to entry, I feel like I can walk my way through and figure it out along the way. So definitely thank you for taking off the veil and making people analytics not so scary anymore. You're welcome. And and listen, I'm always (laughs) available to answer any questions you might have. So, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. There's a lot of resources uh, available online. And, you know, People Analytics is also a big resource. So feel free to reach out to us. That's what we're here for. Thank you so much. It's been great having you here. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you so much, Sai. Really great to have you. All right. So for those of you who have been waiting with bated breath for our the answer to our trivia question, as a reminder, the question was, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, how many people are employed as training and development managers in the United States? Well, the answer is, as of May 2022, 550 with an average salary of around $132,000. I think that statistic was pretty surprising. It was a lot lower than I anticipated. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the ATD NYC Unlocked podcast. We hope you found this episode engaging and informative and that you've gained new perspectives on the talent and development industry. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others in your network. Stay tuned for our next episode. And in the meantime, keep striving to unlock your potential in the field of talent and development.